Welcome to It's Art, Let's Talk About It, a podcast sponsored by the Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, Texas. Located in the heart of the Texas Hill Country, the museum is dedicated to the preservation and promotion of the American West, especially through the art of the West. In this podcast series, we will visit with artists, art collectors, and gallery directors working in the Western art genre. We'll talk about the history and heritage of Western art, and we'll talk about why talking about Western art is so important. I'm Daryl Beecham, the executive director of the museum, and I'll be your host for It's Art. Let's talk about it. The podcast is a member of the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network. If you haven't done so, please visit the Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, Texas. We'd love to see you there. And we're joined today on It's Art, Let's Talk About It by our good friend Steve Talley. Steve, welcome to It's Art, Let's Talk About It. Thank you so much for having me. For those of you who don't know, C.S. Steve Talley and the art world, Steve paints under the uh, initials C.S. Talley. And in conversation and among his friends, he's simply known as Steve. But we appreciate you joining us on It's Art. Let's talk about it. One of the first com- first uh, questions I ask most people, let's talk about how you got started in the art world. And that's an important question because I asked it of our good friend Rachel Brownlee recently. And she's only been in the art world less than three years. Mm. And she's a 30-year-old <clears throat> woman who but what one day stumbled onto a skill set that Basically, somebody said, you ought to take it to the next level, and she Mm -hmm. did. And yet, I had a conversation with Ron Riddick recently. These are both podcasts you can go out and listen to on It's Art. Let's talk about it. A little shameless plug there for them. But Ron's been painting since he was three years old. Jack Sorensen, the same kind of thing. Jack said he knew he was one of those guys who could paint from the day he first picked up a, a pencil and started scribbling on the wall, a crayon and scribbling on the wall. Were you one of those guys? Have you been painting forever or is this a recent version of your life i have been painting half of my life okay i am 68 years old and so i started painting when i was 34 so i'm not one of those guys that as a kid scribbled on the walls so what what did you do in the 34 years prior to that how much time you got (laughs) (laughs) i guess what led you to the art world what led me to the art world was Probably the shortest story I can tell was in college, I have a degree in astronomy and physics, but you take electives. Yeah, but you don't meet many artists who have degrees in astronomy and physics. Not too many. There's a few, but not many. (laughs) And so my roommate was an anthropology major, and I needed an elective. He said, why don't you take an, an anthropology course? And I looked through the offerings, and... One of them was the Plains Indians of the United States. Huh, okay. So I took that elective, and that's what got me interested in the history of the West, particularly the Plains Indians. So fast forward many years later, I marry my wife, Jeanette, and we start doing buckskinning. Okay which is mountain men reenactment. Right. But our camp was mostly Plains Indian style. We had teepee and we made our buckskin outfit and all that stuff. And that's what got the interest going. I wanted to have paintings, images in my house of that period. And this was at the time when Turpening and those guys, Ken Riley, are all pretty hot. And I went out to buy some, 
and I was like, I can't afford this stuff. Right. Mm. And so I told myself, fooey on that, I'm going to have to go paint my own. Okay. Interesting. And that's how I got started painting. You remember your first class? Did you take classes? At the time, we lived in a little town behind Pikes Peak called Woodland Park Okay. in Colorado. And <clears throat> it was a whole 30-minute drive down into Colorado Springs, and I was working at the time related to my astronomy physics background. So you were making a living doing something yes. in your, your field? Yes, which is an interesting story too i don't know how deep we want to dive there but it's our show we can go anywhere um, we want to i was working with a company that had a contract with u.s space command and we operated large telescopes in haleaka haleakala hawaii okay and we supported their surveillance of russian satellites and so i drive down to work monday through friday and i was looking for somebody to give me art lessons on the weekend okay and there was only one lady in town that taught lessons, grudgingly to some degree. Sandra Harris was her name. In Woodland Park. In Woodland Park. She okay. lived there, and she painted in acrylics. No, she painted, it's been too long. Anyway, I tried to start out painting in oil, and my wife wouldn't let me in after she realized all the hydrocarbons in the uh, turpentine and the smell. Yeah. She's got a nose like a beagle and things didn't settle and I switched to acrylic and Sandra agreed to teach me and Sandra mostly did western portraits Indian maidens and stuff okay. like that and she actually showed at Settlers West which was the same place where Turpening sure did. yeah it's a great gallery yeah and so she basically I started out painting portraits when she said what do you want to do she said I said landscape she said, I do portraits, and I was like, you're the, only, yeah, yeah, you're the only game in town. Let's do portraits. And, and so that's where I started to learn to paint. And then, the notes to me, I didn't know anybody in the art world, didn't know who anybody was. And she said, there's going to be a workshop here. Got some friends, and we've got this guy coming who's going to teach him. By the way, he's an acrylic painter. I said, who is he? He said, his name's Bob Wygant. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my first official workshop ever was with Bob Wigand. All right. Not and bad. Yeah, not yeah, bad. Not bad. And, and that's been 35 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, coming up on 35 At years. At what point did you make a decision to give up your astronomy? I didn't. And paint full-time, or did you I, ever? I, I didn't start painting full-time. Art's always been the second layer of my living. Okay. Up until... I basically retired. So I retired in 2009, which for some folks might be a little too early. But I was 54 when I quit doing the 8 to 5 thing. Okay. And so that gave me the opportunity to go full-time. And if you ask me, are you a full-time artist, I'm going to say, yeah, between cutting trees in the backyard and doing all that kind of stuff. But I show in, now I show in three galleries, and I sell on the average anywhere but 40 to 60 paintings a year. And uh, so academically, I did not come up through that system right. of learning to paint. And it's fascinating when we talk to artists about you know, how they got their start. There's some that are very formal in their, they have always known that's what they're going to do. They approached it very formally and they've been painting for 
50 years. Our good friend Jack Sorensen, a member of the Cowboy Artist of America, says he's been painting since he was three. Ron Riddick, in a recent interview, told me that he grew up basically scrubbing on cardboard box things that his dad's mm -hmm. pressed shirts came in. And, and he's been painting his whole life. That's art is all he's ever known. And yet I'm fascinated when I find people like yourself. I find people like Rachel Brownlee comes along. She's a rancher. Mm -hmm. Right, a rancher and a marathon runner and all of that, and she discovered art as a secondary thing, a way for her to, you know, express. All I've ever known you is a is a painter. I didn't even know the astronomy. I started to say astrology, but the astronomy con connection and the physics connection, and so it's fascinating when we find artists who <clears throat> who have other lives, lives other than in the art world. My my top layer of making a living. Up until 2009, my career started in the sciences and the physics and all of that. Yeah. And because of that, I had to learn to program because the, the first Apple II lap, not a laptop, the Apple II personal computer right. came out the year I graduated from college. Okay. And everybody's learning to program, and I did too. This mid 1970s? Yeah. Yeah. 78. Yeah. And, and once I learned to program, that was a whole other skill level that I could market. And I ultimately wound up making a career out of writing software, not so much for the sciences. I, I did for five years while we were operating the telescopes and stuff like that. We were developing a lot of uh, image processing software. Anyway, we moved away from Colorado and came to San Antonio. Right. And I ultimately, I'm skipping a whole lot of stuff here, but I ultimately wound up writing software for a home builder. I wrote estimating software. For those who are in the San Antonio area, they may remember Ray Ellison, which was Rayco, and we were the major home builder there. And I worked in the estimating department. I wasn't pounding nails, but I was writing software t to estimate. That's fascinating. And so I worked for them for many years, and ultimately, when I moved to Fredericksburg, Texas, just prior to that move, I, I got away from the estimating software because another company bought us out and many of us left. And I wound up writing software for a company out of Houston to do fugitive emissions monitoring, which means... <laughs> Yeah, which means... <laughs> you do realize this is an art podcast. I understand, I, I understand. Okay. <clears throat> and wrote specialty databases for them. What they did is provide crews to go into refineries to find leaks to comply with the cleaning. But at rate. some point, at, at that point in 2009... But, yeah, underneath all that, I am painting. The whole time? Yeah. There's, it's, sure, like you know, anybody has... Spurts and here and there. But 2009... You were a hobbyist at one point. Yeah. And became a professional yeah. about 15 years ago. And I basically say I have an art career because it was a hobby that got out of hand. There you go. That's what happened, really. Right. I've known you since I, I came to the Museum of Western Art five years ago. have visited with you, and you have a home in Taos, and one in Fredericksburg, visited with both places, and I've gotten to be friends with you. You've been in our show for a number of years, and I didn't have a clue about that astrology. No, 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 astronomy. no, no. Astronomy. Astronomy. I do not predict the future. No, and no. if you could, you'd be a great art, yeah, uh, art buyer, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. But... Uh, for those of you playing along, and Steve, we have this all the time. We have people who listen to this podcast from our website, museumofwesternart.com, or they find it on their Apple 
podcast things or and we're a member of the texas hill country podcast network anyway they listen to it and then they have their laptops or their desktops open and they go out to our website and they can play along we'll post photos of your work pictures linked to your website Mm -hmm. let's get that out of the way the website is what basically my name yeah the letter C, the letter S, my last name, tally.com, c.com. Can't beat a deal like that when it's really very easy. People yeah. ask the museum, what's your website? It's Museum of Western Art. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Yeah. CSTally.com, you can see more of Steve's works. You could purchase works off the website. You could reach out to him and uh, make a deal on something if you see things that are that are light. And you can always call the Museum of Western Art. And we'll have pictures on our website of some of your works. You've been in our shows for... A number of years mm-hmm. here at the Museum of Western Art. Let's talk about your work. If I was forced to say, okay, what does Steve Talley paint? First word that comes to mind for me is nocturnes. Taos, uh, yes, Taos nocturnes. Today I'm known a lot as a nocturne. Why painter. nocturnes? Why did you start doing nocturnes? That's a. In the course of 34 years, this is a recent. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, recent as in five, six, seven. See, and that's how long we've known each other. Yeah. I've been here five years. So all I've ever really known you to do, and, they, and you do them so well, are nocturnes. And you can see examples on our website yeah. of that. So what fascinates you about the night? Maybe because I'm an astronomer. <laughs> I, Isn't that funny? I've never put that together, but that's probably a very good answer for yeah, um, what we're doing here. I love a good daytime painting, too. I'm a landscape painter, basically, because my nocturnes are of the landscape, and I throw adobe buildings in them. But what's... Uh, what really inspired me about the nocturnes was I often, as in every evening after supper, I get on the laptop and I'm looking at auctions. I'm looking at and wondering what's for sale out there and what's, because I'm, I'm also a collector, which is. Well, I am as well, so yeah. let's get together on what we're bidding on. Business. Yes. So, so you may have been driving my prices up. No. <laughs> I really haven't purchased via auctions, but I look a lot. But because I learn of people I've never heard of right there and I came across a nocturne painting that was just very pleasant for me and it was unlike the nocturnes like of Whistler and these guys and it was related to the southwest it was these beat up old built adobe houses and the overall scene is a nocturne, but the building itself was punched up. It was like there was this big light from the sky coming down and just illuminating these buildings. And it was a very attractive painting to me. And it turned out that the, the guy who painted these were was Will Sparks. Okay. And Sparks, if I recall, I think he died in like 1937. And I thought, I want to try some of that stuff. And so I didn't necessarily do like a copy. Right. I thought of, okay, how would Sparks punch up this building and how does he design around the, the supporting background in the sky and all that. And I started painting them and I'd throw them out in the gallery and next thing you know, that's what's selling. Well, you find your market, yeah. Yeah. Go with, go with it. Yeah. I wasn't like I was looking for a market because I was selling regular old mountains and fields and trees, landscapes. But the, I want to say a half to a little more percentage-wise of my yearly sales are nocturnes. 
Yeah. And again, that's what I know from from your work. You'll be participating this year in our annual roundup, as you have the past number of years, the Museum of Western Arts annual roundup, the 41st annual roundup exhibition and sale held this year in April 26, 27. That weekend, anybody wants tickets, go out to our website. You can get your tickets for that event. It's quickly coming upon us. Uh, but as we moved it from September to April in a chance to uh, give a service uh, more opportunity, not as much football. Yeah, we're not, yeah. We don't have to fight as many events. Fall seems to be a very busy time of year uh, in the art world, so we've we've moved it to April. And uh, this will be the first year in a number of years that you've been able to actually attend and be here in person yeah. for that event. Yeah, uh, that's my own fault. Maybe because you have a home in Taos and right. you like to escape the heat of Texas. Yeah, when we live in Taos, we typically come back to Fredericksburg here in Texas right at the end of October. And so if I were to drive here to attend the September come, event, go back and then come right, right back and yeah. back again. But being in April is... Oh, it's going to be great for everybody. Yeah, I'm really looking forward it's to it. It's going to be great for yeah. everybody. Let's talk about your gallery. So you have a, a gallery over in... You're part of a gallery in Fredericksburg. Mm -hmm. And that's the Charlie Moran Gallery, mm -hmm. Moran Fine Art, located there on Main Street in Fredericksburg, Texas. If anybody wants to see your work in a gallery setting, they can do that. And, of course, then the website, CS Tally. Yeah. You you say we several times. You've talked about mentioned briefly your wife Jeanette. Yes, that's the we in that. And uh, Jeanette. Jeanette. She's a French Canadian, and it's spelled gin like you drink. Gin. Jeanette. Jeanette. And what a lovely lady she is. And she does she ever have any a part in your art world, or is that just something that she leaves? And the reason I ask is that so many spouses are involved in the art world as well. Ron Riddick comes to mind in yeah. that you can't get to Ron Riddick unless you go through Natalie, his wife. Andy Thomas is the same way. Dina, you got to reach out to Dina. But pretty much everybody goes to Steve. They yeah. actually call Steve. And not yeah, Steve. yeah. She's pretty low key in terms of uh, visibility in my art to the public. But at home, our Texas home is built on a hill, so we've got one side of the house as a one story and one side the two story, and my studio is downstairs. And so I paint up a painting, and up the stairs I go, and I put it on the cabinet in the kitchen. And you better I, critique it. And yeah. she's she critiques. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. I find that spouses are probably the free for first uh, level of critique. Oh yeah, with things. Let's yeah. talk about your paintings, for example. You uh, paint a lot of things, mostly landscapes. What you would, mm -hmm. would say that you you do mm -hmm. oil, acrylic. What is it? Yeah, what I do you like? What do you what do you, what do you want to paint in? <clears throat> oil. That's what I always wanted to paint in. When I started 34 or 5 years ago, I did start, and as I mentioned, the odor of the turpentine back then, I don't even know if odorless turpentine was available back then. Anyway, the odor, my wife said, you're out of here. She said, no. <laughs> it's me or the turpentine. That's right. And so I switched to acrylics. Yeah. And so I did take workshops with Bill Hook, William Hook, and these acrylic painters. And, and I love good acrylics. I think I, yeah. it's a fabulous way to get started in the in learning how to paint. And what happened though, I once I moved to Fredericksburg in 2000, just turn a little bit to you, you turn, there you go. In 2002, I started doing the local art club scene and that kind of thing and I came to some demos here in Kerrville and saw a demo by Rod McGee and he was telling a story about how sick he was and went to the doctor and the doctor says the turpentine's killing you you gotta you gotta change or you're gonna die 
And so... It's like having your head in a bag of gas. All it is, so, yeah. You know. And Rod told the story about that. And so I said, well, Rod, what are you painting with? He said, I went to these water-soluble oils. And he said, they're just like oil. They are oil. Mm-hmm. It's basically... Sure. The linseed oil has a chemical voodoo so yeah, that yeah. you can clean up with soap and water. And you don't... And Anyway, and that's... And the light bulb went on for me, and I was like, I'm out of here with acrylics, and I'm going to go get some oil. And I can make Jeanette happy at the same time. And, yeah. And and so that's how I got to be an oil painter, was because watching Rod and learning about water solubles. And I've been painting with water solubles ever since, and that's been, we're coming up on 20 years now. What's your typical art day look like? And the reason I ask is there's a lot of listeners we have on It's Art, let's talk about it, who are new in the game and they want to know from people who've been painting a while making a living at it what are the secrets and we have artists who'll say i get up every morning at six o'clock and i paint until noon and then mm-hmm. take a one hour lunch and i paint till five and others who say i paint when the inspiration hits and it may be from two in the morning until two the next morning it's a it, it varies from artist to artist <clears throat> what's your typical day look like there are many days i, I do nothing which may sound like a horrible thing for some artists, because some artists, life is meaningless unless they have painted yeah, something had a, had every artist, day. Had an artist recently, and we didn't put it on our in our podcast. He was telling me off the air. He spent one entire day staring at the canvas. <laughs> and well, he said, "I just couldn't put anything on the canvas because yeah. nothing felt right." right. And he reached down and get a little cerulean blue, and oh hell, that didn't look right. And it just he kept cleaning his brush over and over. And at the end of the day, had still had a blank gessoed canvas up yeah. on the. Yeah. I guess. He'd, a typical art week might be that I paint a couple of paintings, and I don't paint big. I'm not a 30 by 40 painter. I've yeah, most of yours are 1820s. Are smaller. Yeah. 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 I think the three three pieces that you have in our show this coming year are, what? They're uh, 11 by 14s. One 1114, a 1216, and a 912. Yeah. Yeah. So smaller works. Yeah. Yeah. I paint small, mostly because I did a lot of plein air painting, and so I. Got accustomed. So you're not like our buddy Phil Bob Borman. He oh, paints no, no. these, you know, 60, no, no, no. 65 by 85 paintings. No, no, not these these aircraft carrier deck size paintings. No. Phil Bob, if you're listening, man, we love you. But yeah, we do. Come on, bring me something smaller. <laughs> but uh, you you can sell a lot more small paintings. People can afford a thousand dollars and under much readily than a forty fifty thousand dollar painting. So yeah. you have to sell more of them. That's true. To make a living. And you had a yeah. So you got to paint more. So I get to paint when I want to. I mean, there are things that get in the way that I live on two acres up in Fredericksburg, and sometimes you've got to mow the yard, and sometimes you've got to trim the trees and and fix something. How often do you paint plein air still? Since I live in Fredericksburg more in the winter, I don't do so much here. I do a lot of plein air painting out when we're at our home in Taos. Let's talk about some of your artist friends, especially those in Taos during conversations. And you were instrumental in helping us find a, a good Jerry Jordan for our 40th anniversary show. Guys, if you're listening along, go up and go look that name up. Jerry oh, yeah. Jordan, what a fabulous artist. Absolutely. Talk about others, because Taos is a, is a painter's paradise. Uh, well, yeah. It's a painter's mecca. It is. So who, who out there do you want to shout out to? Jerry, of course. I've heard you talk about him a lot, but... There's a lot of famous people that live there you wouldn't know. Yeah. Uh, would not know, uh, you know of, but you wouldn't know. They're quiet. Don Brackett, 
Laura Robb lives there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Laura's a very private person. A lot of artists tend to be that way as well. Who else lives there? Sherry and David. Okay. Uh, David LaFell and and Sherry McGraw, they live six miles from me. And I was so honored when David was in Fredericksburg a year or so ago for a show at the Insight Gallery. Yeah. And uh, they're having another one in March. I walked up to him and bless his heart, he looked at me and he said, Dr. Beecham, how are you? Yeah. How would you even remember me? We had met years and years ago when I was at a gallery in San Antonio and he was part of that. I sold a bunch of his works over the years, but I was so thrilled and honored that he he took the time to say hello and he knew me and it was so generous with his time. David's 90. And he's one of the great painters. Golly. Yeah. He's over the top, for sure, and he's he's a real treasure. Yeah. But he's 92 or 4 or something like that. And prior to living in Taos, I'd only met him a few times, but the same thing happened to me. He was like, hi, Steve. Yeah. No, it's just, it's, it's like, how does he remember? Yeah. yeah, such a great painter. Sherry McGraw lives up there, David LaFell, yeah. uh, Jerry Jordan, of course, we mentioned. Yeah. For our listeners, go out and, and look up those guys because they're just absolutely fabulous. And Taos is not a bad place to be for the arts. No. No. Taos, art-wise, is on the map simply because of the Taos Society of Artists from, right. the, from the early uh, turn of the century. Yeah. yeah. Sharp, Kaus, yeah, Dunton, those kind of guys. Yeah. yeah. The ones who... And you can go up there today and hit those galleries and there's Fetchin, the Fetchin Society mm-hmm. started there. And of course the Cal Sharp House and we have a lot of friends up there. So there's the Harwood, the Blue and Shine House. Always fun to go up there and deal with the art, but it's a, an overdose yeah. of the arts. But the light is pretty fascinating as well. Yeah. That have an influence in your work. He says as he remembers that Steve paints a lot of nocturnes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it's dark, it's just dark. You know? Yeah, Taos has altitude. The town of Taos, is, we're, we're at 7,000 feet, and we're not even in the mountains yet. And so that makes the air quite radiant because of its thinness. You see a lot of blue, intense blue in the sky when it's clear. And the monsoon season, when the thunderstorms roll through, and you can just see from, provided there's no forest fires in California blowing the smoke <laughs> over. When the air is clear, you can just see forever. From my house, I can see the pitter now that Georgia O'Keeffe painted down at Ghost Ranch, and that's 90 miles. Yeah, the light is, is what attracts a lot of artists there. And of course, the culture is what brought the Tao Society right, people right. there. The Pueblo, the Tiwa folks there. The joke about Taos is the population of Taos is 5,000, and 6,000 of them are artists. <laughs> There's a lot of artists in Taos. There's a lot. Uh, I think about my Rolodex, and man, a lot of them have the Taos, yeah. have the Taos uh, address. It's a lot of fun to be a part of that. But Fredericksburg, half the year, is that a get-out-of-the-winter-of-Taos yeah. thing? Yeah. And you have a connection, of course, to San Antonio. Yeah. and. Yeah. yeah. We've been doing the Taos thing for all, coming up on seven years now. And so we've been in Fredericksburg for 22 years. Okay. My wife being Canadian, she's had enough cold. And Taos doesn't get 40 below zero, but... It's cold enough, though. It, yeah. It's cold enough, yeah. It gets down to zero. And, but the snow there, it, the snow persists in the mountains, and thus the Taos Ski Valley. Right, right. But basically, down in, in Taos itself, it'll be snow for three or four days, and then it's gone. melts. Yeah. What's next for Steve Talley? Mm. It's a progression of, you started 
taking lessons in portraiture. Yeah. Went to landscape, painted in oils and had to give that up. Went to acrylic, gave that up and went to, to water-based oil. But it seems like right now you're doing a lot more teaching. You're doing some I, workshops. You're doing a workshop for us. So let's go ahead and plug that yeah. workshop for us. You can go onto our website <clears throat> and there's already a, a flyer out there where you can click a button and sign up for Steve's workshop that's this is coming summer. Actually in May. May seven, eight, nine. Yeah. So in the beginning of May here in a couple of months. And we've already got about half of the class filled. So if people want to go out there and sign up for it, they need to do that when they hear this broadcast, go out mm-hmm. and, and to the website. Or call the museum at 830-896-2553 and talk to McKenna and she'll get you signed up. But you've taught a couple of workshops. You're teaching a lot more, it looks like. Where are you headed, man? Yeah, workshops can be a good income if you do a lot of them. But my, my main goal is to paint. Yeah. I enjoy doing maybe a workshop a year, something like that. Private lessons. If people ask me, will you teach me? I'll, I'll probably will. But I don't hang a shingle out on my <laughs> front lawn and say, lessons available here. That's, that's not my business model. So what's next in art? So what's been very interesting is years and years ago, because of my wife, I became Roman Catholic. Okay. And I, I'm a good, what people would call a good Catholic. I go to Mass every day, not every day, but every Sunday, and we say our prayers at night and all that. And I enjoy religious art, sacred art. Okay. So the Baroque period, the Renaissance going in into those, all that art was basically religion. And I've noticed in your work, even the the three pieces that you've got, and then works from previous roundups, a lot of them are churches. Yes. A lot of the Pueblos that you're talking about. And sacred spots. So I show at two galleries in Taos, and one of them is the, and it's not a gallery, it's a gift shop. And it's the Benedictine Monks okay. of Taos yeah, gift it. shop. Sure, I know. Well. And I have, an, I have an agreement between my main gallery that I can show some paintings there. They're not the, my main gallery, which is Jones Walker of Taos. Right. Uh, they're not very territorial because I supply them with everything that they want. So you've got three galleries that you three. deal with, right? The yeah. Benedictine yeah, gift shop. Yeah, the Jones, Jones Walker, Jones Walker, and then Charlie Charlie Moran in on Main Street, in Fredericksburg, Texas. So. Yeah, and so I will paint churches in a nocturne way, and those primarily go into the Benedictine monks gift shop. The other nocturnes of just buildings or right. in, in general that are non-church looking, they go to Jones Walker, and and then I have nocturnes here, of course, too. But I'm also a big fan of iconography. Okay. And so I'm learning to do some of that. That very stylized, the Orthodox, Russian, Ukrainian type of icons. And I like the Caravaggios and the Rembrandts and all that. Yeah. Consequently, I'm, I'm <laughs> saying 30 whatever years ago, I started out in portraiture and <laughs> And now here I'm coming back. Coming back. So our tends to make a circle sometimes. Because yeah. it, it's, it's without painting a church or a person and saying it's Mary or Joseph or somebody or Jesus, whatever. Mm-hmm. A portrait's a portrait. And so to paint in that style, I've started studying with David LaFell and Sherry. What a 
yeah. great pair of artists those guys I know. are. My it's like, goodness. It's, if you're going to do it good. You yeah, know? and I was so honored that we had a chance to meet David, had a chance to be, again, renew a friendship with David. Yeah. And anytime you can see his work, and Sherry's as well, anytime yeah. you see their work, it's just it's a blessing to, to be a part of that. Yeah, a lot of folks, I've heard a lot of folks in the past talk about David and his... He seemed a little uppity, but David's confident. No, David's just—he's a it is, good guy, it, a great painter, and he, it's just, it just shows. He is a wonderful work. person, and he yeah. he reads widely. David, I've had lunch with him and Sherry and yeah. all that, and and we can talk quantum physics. Yeah, we can talk philosophically about art, and not about. Well, yes, he can answer the question: What's the best mediums, and what's the best paint, what's all that yeah. stuff. But when it when you get into that's why I'm reading this book. Yeah, it's more of, of a philosophical thoughts about art and and what it means, and and that ties into why I really in a way paint small is because I want people to have these paintings. I need to pay for the paint. I need to pay for all that stuff. <laughs> and so I have to sell the painting. I'll tell you right now, people say it's important because I'm the director of the Museum of Western Art. I'm a collector yeah. uh, of Steve Talley's work. I've got yeah. one in my office right now. It'll go to my home when I leave here. I just couldn't be any more proud of owning a Steve Talley. Thank you. Talk to that young person out there who's trying to decide whether they want to be an astronomer or an artist. And I mean, is it an either-or situation? doesn't sound like it is. It's a pursue-your-passion situation. When, God, when I'm in the, like doing art walk and and people say ask me a very much the questions you've been asking me, how'd you get started and what do yeah. you do? And I say, well, actually, I'm an astronomer, physicist guy, and there the eyes roll and they're like, <laughs> how's that possible? How can the left brain and the right, right brain? They are two different answers. Yeah. And what's it, it is two different things, but in in my personal concept of what I do, it's all the same stuff. And if you ever really sit down and listen to some of these highfalutin physicists and astronomers in the past, there is a beauty that happens in science. And art, for me, is about beauty. I'm not interested in propaganda Yeah. at all. It's a great way, a great place to wrap this conversation up. Art's about beauty. We've yeah. been visiting today with our good friend Steve Talley, C.S. Talley. If you're out there in the art world looking him up, go to cstalley.com for the website. Uh, works are available at uh, the Moran Gallery, M-O-R-I-N, Moran Gallery, in uh, Fredericksburg, Texas, at the Jones. Jones Walker, Walker. of Taos. I always forget the Walker, Jones Walker in Taos Gallery. And the Benetton Muck gift mm -hmm. shop there in Taos also. Mm -hmm. We're here at the Museum of Western Art. We'll have three works in our for sale. And of course, we want to always sell works here at the Museum of Western Art. But Steve, thank you for joining us today on It's Art. Let's talk about it. Thanks for that having me. That wasn't too painful, was it? Not at all. Not at <laughs> I almost enjoy talking about it as much as I do painting. Yeah, yeah. and somebody asked me one time why we call this podcast It's Art. Let's talk about it. Because, God, I love talking about art. Yeah. It just brings a joy to me. And I get a chance to meet artists that uh, and find out things about them. Like, I didn't know, for example, Rachel Brownlee was a marathon runner. I didn't know that Ron Riddick had a dad who was in the art world himself and that he was he had met the, 
Soroya family and you learn things about people as you go along right and right. it's a variety of things it's the only profession and I've, I've expressed this so many times to people it's the only profession where all you have to do is say I am an artist mm -hmm. and you are an and artist you, you can't be proven wrong right because it's such a subjective thing so when we say let's it's art let's talk about it it's, it's a fascinating conversation because they're all different they all have the same basic approaches mm -hmm. with art but it's a lot of fun to to learn more about people so if you want to learn more about steve tally go watch cstally.com or go to the museum of western art or come visit us here at 1550 bandera highway kerrville texas we're five miles off interstate 10 which is uh, the other side of town but it's a beautiful town to drive through be a part of our world as well and steve thanks for joining us on it's art let's talk about it thank you so much appreciate it we hope you've enjoyed this episode of It's Art, Let's Talk About It, a production of the Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, Texas. We hope you'll visit the museum in person. We're located at 1550 Bandera Highway in Kerrville, Texas. Find out more about us by going to www.museumofwesternart.com. And we hope you'll join us next time for It's Art, Let's Talk About It. The podcast is produced by the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network.